What it is, what it do, you tuned into the Jose Morales podcast. I'm your host, Jose Morales, and we're back in the ring for another special episode with another special guest, my man, David Hernandez. He is the CEO and founder of the Colonized Media. Welcome to the show, my man. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, bro. Thank you for inviting me. Hope is the first of many. First of many, for sure. We have a lot of great things to talk about. In this episode, we're going to be talking about David and his, and his story and how he came as an immigrant from Jalisco and how he created his marketing business from his passion of music that was brought down from his family. Also, how he connected spiritually with his roots and, and how it helped him become a better husband and a better father and how he does not let the media, social media, news, and he questions everything from both perspectives, like the red, left and right, uh, without getting too political. So I'm excited about this. Let's jump right into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So my man, David. That's me, bro. Welcome, welcome on the show, brothers. Thank uh, you, man. I'm very excited to have you for a lot of reasons, man. You're very educated. You carry yourself very well. You're very successful. But on top of that, you come from humble beginnings. So to me, uh, and knowing you from the very beginning, and, and you were always very, very kind to me, and, and finally getting to see you now, because I think last time I saw you was probably, what, 10 years ago? Probably, or it was longer, maybe. Maybe longer. It's probably it's been, in high school. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very, very. I think I saw you one time with, I was with my cousin, Campana, Ruben. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah one time. Yeah, he's exactly. actually in Mexico now, and he's got his own business and everything. Oh, Thomas had man. Yeah. Thomas had I remember he used to live in Folsom, so that's good. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. so, yeah, man, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I'm, I'm a, tell me uh, about yourself. First, let's get started. Uh, who you are, what you do first. Tell, tell me who you are and what you do. I'm David, and I live life. <laughs> <laughs> I live life. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. There, I mean, there's a lot, but then again, there's a much you know yeah. it's like all relative right i mean i'm david hernandez i was born and raised in arandas jalisco i got the fortune to live in northern california when my parents brought me to the u.s so i think i was um benefited from the set and setting yeah. that northern california provides i lived in uh, sonoma county napa county then here in citrus heights so i had a pretty up a good upbringing so you know and took advantage of the opportunities that we get in the United States, which is the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Um, I think that, and I believe it, and I know no, it. true. So, yeah, you know, and, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's more, you know? Because <laughs> what I remember about you, you used to play the drums. I played the drums. Yeah, I remember. I, that's, yeah. That's, the, that's what I remember of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that you were big. And just to give you a quick little history of David and I, we actually went to high school together. Uh, we, I think you're one year older than me. Couple years. I'll be 33 tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah tomorrow I'm going to be 33. Yeah. Yeah. For real? Yeah. Yeah. Well, happy early birthday, brother. Thank you, man. Yeah. 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 Sure. yeah. So when you're older than me, and what I remember is that you were you were you you were heavy on the on, on the drums and you were super energetic and happy and talkative. I never saw you angry. You were always in a good mood. I actually saw you angry one time. Okay. <laughs> one time. Uh, and I'll, I'll share that story in a little bit, but. And then we also played soccer. And one thing I'll never forget is the day you gave me soccer shoes. You gave me some cleats. Yeah, they were shiny. <laughs> you, you remember that day? Yeah, I remember that day. What made you want to give me cleats? Um, well, I, I don't know. Just really cared for you for some reason. Yeah. You're this tiny little freshman. Yeah. And I don't know. Just uh, I, don't, I can't remember the exact, you know, motive or whatever. I, I think I think you needed some also. Yeah, I didn't have shoes. I think you needed some, and I had just I played music. And I had just bought myself a new pair of shoes. And I'm like, oh, I have this extra. Oh, I'll give them to you. 
Yeah. So I gave you the extra pair. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I remember that that day very clearly. And then I don't remember if it was after or before, but I feel kind of bad one time I kicked the ball and hit you in the back of the head. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I don't remember. And I was like, damn, man, I, I didn't mean to hit you in the back of the head. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to apologize again. For okay. That. <laughs> I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. So you were big in music at the time. Let's, tell me what, how did music come about in your life? Like, so, how was music introduced to you? So uh, my whole family were all musicians. My dad is a musician. He plays uh, original Mexican music, Norteño, Corridos. Mm -hmm. And from Mexico, um, since I was five years old, I was born and raised in Mexico. I started playing drums at five. Then I would go play with my dad at six, seven, eight. We would play to parties, ferias, you know, wherever we would get hired. And my dad would go back and forth from Jalisco to Chicago. Jalisco and Chicago. So he had this big saxophone Orteño influence. And he would bring like music that was big in Chicago at the time to us in Mexico. And then I got this like really Norteño style of playing the drums. When we, and since that was a way we earned a living in Mexico with music and also my parents had a uh, like a storefront type of thing in, in Mexico we call them tianguis. It's like flea markets yeah. that happen. So they would also sell in tianguis and they would, uh, we would play music on the weekends or weekdays. Then when we came to the US, uh, mind you, this was in 1989. Uh, we got here, thank God. We were undocumented. My dad was undocumented. Worked, I think, for maybe like $758 an hour. We lived in Santa Rosa. My dad had a really good boss. Uh, my dad worked in apartment buildings. So uh, he put brand new carpet in a one-bedroom apartment, did the best he could do for us. We all lived in a one-bedroom apartment. It was, uh, at the time, it was my, it was five sisters and me, so it was six of us. Now it's eight of us, I have six sisters now, a brother. But um, a way that we actually survived was through private charity for food and clothing and for gas and other things was through music. So we would go to a park in, in Santa Rosa uh, on Stony Point Road and we would play like on the weekends, people would be having picnics and my dad, my sister, another gentleman and me would go have my drum. My sister would have like a bass and another gentleman, the accordion, my dad, Dabajo Sexto. And that's how we earned, that's how we were able to survive. Yeah. You know? And right. yeah, yeah. So, so that's how, that's how, so music's been a part, a part of, of your me, life. My whole life. Like, and I, your mom's side, do they play music, yeah, musicians too? They do. They're really happy people. So, all my mom's brothers, they all play instruments. They all, but they don't, it's for them, it's more for fun. Mm -hmm. My dad, it's uh, more for living. Well, it was out of necessity. Like, yeah. we needed to play music to feed his kids, you know? Yeah. So, and it was just, like, that, that's why right now I, I, I see a lot of people, like, you know, it, it's a struggle for a lot of people nowadays, but my dad was by himself, no education, no driver's license, no green card, and he supported this big old family. So, it's like, shoot, my dad could do it, uh, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> like, means we can't do it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yep. So, great, yeah. great example because it's 100% true. Yeah. I think it's in the mindset. I mean, if you have a mindset of, oh, I don't have this, oh, I don't have that, well, then you're going to be a victim all your life. But yeah. You, you have to have that, I'm going to make this happen attitude. Yeah, this weekend we were having a conversation with Jesus, my friend Tony, and I. We we're talking about commitment, about the mentality around commitment nowadays. Uh, the, that mindset of people saying, oh, I'm not ready to commit just yet. Well, um, whatever, I think whatever we do in life, uh, whether it be boxing, your business, a relationship, whatever, 
if you don't commit all the way, you're screwed. Like, yeah. like you, you have, can't be lukewarm. No, no, no. You can't be. You can't even be ninety nine percent. You have to be a hundred percent, and that's the only way things work out. Yep. So, so yeah, you know, my dad was committed, and so going back to the music, uh, that's what we've been doing in our whole lives, and yeah. That's badass. That's, well. that's you know, I can tell my whole life with music. A story of my life with music, like every aspect of my life. Yeah. And were you? Or were you more interested in a certain type of music? Like, were you like more Norteño or did you like, or was there a certain type of music you'd like, or you just didn't care, you enjoyed it all? I enjoy all music, uh-huh. but back, like, for example, going back to those days, uh, what I knew was Norteño, corridos, because yeah. that's what we make, made a living out of. When I met you in high school, Doranguense was really big. Yeah. So then I fell in love with Doranguense, and then the drums in Doranguense, it's a style of music that was really big from, 03 to like maybe 06. Yeah. It started dying off in 07. Um, it's really fun to play the drums, that type of music. Yeah. And then they had this really peculiar way of dressing. And then, um, yeah. And then I got really big on MySpace back in those days because yeah. of the little cowboy hat and everything. So. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. That was like one of the first, I guess, influencers you could say back, back in those days. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So then you finish high school. Barely. Yeah. And then uh, what did you do right after high school? So I don't even remember, uh, after my junior year, we moved to Arizona. We mm-hmm. moved to La Mirage because my dad got a, a different job over there or whatever. So we moved. I actually ended up graduating high school in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, barely, because, um, mind you, so my parents, uh, uh, they're very humble, hardworking people, but they, and their whole mindset was survival and feeding our kids, you know? So in my end, my, myself, since a young age, I think I kind of knew what I wanted to do already with my life. And I knew that I wasn't going to get it through traditional education or academical, academic education. I knew I wanted to be a businessman. I knew I wanted to be an internet entrepreneur. Um, so I really, How did you know that? I just knew it. I loved it. So I loved computers. I loved the internet. I loved commerce. I loved music. I knew I was going to end up doing something with internet, automation, music, something. I just didn't know yet what, what? it was. So I stopped caring about school, really, which was a little bit of a mistake, but at the same time, it was kind of good because I didn't get attached to the whole education system and I didn't go off that path. Um, I went right after high school, which I barely graduated. Um, literally, I graduated, I think, with a like 1.6 GPA, like all average. But um, again, that's because I didn't really care at the time. Now, I wish I would have cared because I would have done so well. I knew I would have done so well, but... I was so focused on like business and my my future that I'm like, okay. This You're putting school on the back burner. You yeah. weren't really focused on it. I wasn't focused at all. I wasn't yeah. focused. But again, I didn't have any mentorship. I didn't have anybody telling me, you know, that's great. This business, things that you have on your mind, but focus on school because it's going to serve you very well in the future. And guess what? School would have served me very well now. At the, not like if I would have wanted to be a doctor, yeah, I would have needed university or college, but at the very least, in the formalities and using uh, word processing better, using Excel better, now I'm a pro at it, but it, it w- took time. It took time and it would have been way easier if I knew the formalities of it and also the culture of it. Um, so I could apply it to like um, in other areas of my life. Yeah, I agree with that, man. I struggle with that sometimes with certain things and I'm like, man, if I would have been more educated and learned more stuff at school, I would have been a lot better with most of these things. So I 100% agree with you. Yeah. yeah. And, and so then you could barely graduate. And what, what, what do you do after you uh, graduate? So 
my parents didn't help like financially. So I kept playing music with my dad. I would play music with other artists. I started doing freelance marketing because when we lived in here in the Sacramento area, we moved to Arizona. And my first week at my new high school, there was a, a group of girls and I went to talk to one of them and she blew me off. But when I saw their binders, I don't know if you remember back, I don't know if it's still a thing now, but back then people would put like pictures on their binders, yeah, yeah, right? Well, I looked down and it was a, this group of girls from like Sonora, Sinaloa, and Chihuahua. And me living up here in Northern California was my first time ever meeting girls from Sonora, Sinaloa, Chihuahua. And it was like kind of exotic the way they spoke. I remember back then like saying Osho, Muchacho. I was like, whoa, I like it, you know? Yeah. And I ended up marrying, actually my wife, I, we just recently got married. She's from Northern, Northern Mexico and she's got this really cool accent and I love yeah. it. And I remember saying back then, oh, one of them going to marry a girl from Northern Mexico. I love the way they are. And I did. <laughs> Go from northern Mexico. Be careful what you wish for. You will get it. Yeah. <laughs> you will get it. Yeah. You know? So um, anyway, so I looked down at all their binders and they all had my photos. And it was the first time I had ever met these girls. I'd never seen they had them in your my pictures? Life. They had my pictures from MySpace. With what? my cowboy hat. Yeah. What? All, all my cowboy hat photos. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. At that point I didn't care about this girl rejecting me no more. I'm like, because mind you, I was already like really business oriented and music and all this thing. So did they, wait, they rejected you and they had you on the binder? Yeah, but they didn't think it was me. Oh, they didn't think it was you? No, because mind you, so again, my family, we're really low income family, right? Mm -hmm. So all the money we had was to help the household pay bills and any extra income would be buying outfits for the band, for yeah. my dad's band. And it's really expensive, a cowboy hat, you know, the belt buckles, the cowboy boots gets up there and also buying more equipment. So that's what was, we would invest there. So clothes for school, we would have whatever charity would give us, whatever I would buy Goodwill, you know, because I was very conscious that I couldn't, we couldn't afford a pair of 150, $200 shoes. Yeah. But I could afford a pair of $20 shoes from the Goodwill store or less. So I was okay with that. So my clothing wasn't all that great in school. But these girls, when I'm, and with a cowboy hat, I guess I look different. But these girls are like, there's no way that's you. I'm like, that's me. They're like, no, that's not you. I'm like, that's me. And mind you, this is like my first week in Disney high school. <laughs> so I walked away and I'm like, wow, okay, perfect. I now more than ever know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to do marketing. I'm going to market bands, artists. I was already sort of doing it for free. So I, sort, I, I read a lot of like Robert Kiyosaki books, a lot of like uh, John Maxwell books. I love to read, by the way. Like yeah. that, that became a huge habit of mine when I was like 14, 15. I just started reading, not novels or comics, but business books, business, books, business self-help. The very first book I read that really helped me out was uh, Attitude 101 by John Maxwell. It's a little red book. That book, I think, really helped me to shape my life. And then The Magic of Thinking Big by Do Dr. David Schwartz. That's a really, really my, like mind life-changing book because it helps you to be, make your thoughts more conscious and really think, you know, like, and be present when you're thinking and when you're wishing. So anyway, so that's, that's, that's a nugget right there. Yeah. yeah two books we got to read. All right, keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then, um, so yeah, so then I saw this whole big picture in my mind. I'm like, okay, perfect. I guess I'm viral before viral was a thing mm -hmm. because, and then it started happening that we, we would go play to some places with my dad and there were people there that knew me and then they would be like taking like photo, started taking photos with me and things like that. I'm like, oh wow, this thing is like really expandable and whatever. So 
Then I started focusing on doing the same thing for other bands. And when MySpace, YouTube was like early on. I think YouTube came out like in 06, 07. Yeah. So I had like the first videos with like 10,000 views, which was like, wow, you know, because I would just go and record bands, play. And um, then I made out a business out of it. I just really focused, um, made out a business out of it. I mean, mind you, by this time, I still didn't have a green card. I was undocumented. I traveled around. Just the other day, you posted a post about your matricula. I used to travel around with my matricula everywhere. Yeah. And back then, also, I feel like right now it's getting a little harder with a little more bureaucracy. It's still the best country in the world to do business. But back then, I would open a bank account with my matricula, with my ITIN number. Yep, ITIN number. You yeah. know, and uh, which is interesting. You know, we can maybe touch those subjects later. We we, we definitely got to touch those subjects. Because <laughs> there's a lot of misconceptions that people don't know. Let's uh, talk about it a little bit. Okay. Cool. Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So. People that do not know what the Madricula is and what the I-10 numbers are, uh, Madricula is, um, is an ID card that you get from the Mexican consulate in whatever city like we have ours here in Sacramento. And you get this ID because as a undocumented immigrant from Mexico, you couldn't get an ID or driver's license from California back then. Yeah. Now you can get one, but back then you couldn't. Exactly. And... Our ID was that ID card that said Mexico on top, green, right, and red. And then the ITIN number is a tax identification number, which is a number provided by the IRS. Department of Treasury. Yep. <laughs> to undocumented people so that they can do taxes. Let me add on there. Once you get this IT number, you also have to put your fake social. Yep. So the government knows every undocumented alien or whatever you want to person that's working, that's paying taxes. In the US, there's only one big thing that nobody knows. All of us, I'm gonna include myself, thank God I'm a US citizen now and I'm, I'm grateful to be a US citizen. But all of us that are or were undocumented, we can receive no social security benefits, no retirement benefits, all these benefits that other people get. Even though you're paying taxes, even though yes. the government knows you're doing it. That's, that's, that's a big part that you got to, is that you're getting, you're getting taxed and you're paying for all these things, but you're not getting the benefit of it. And you can't vote. And you, and you can't vote. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely something that I always talk about because people, people forget or they act like they don't know or they do not know. And honestly, a lot of people that I've talked to in the past honestly do not know that undocumented people pay taxes. I mean, and my family, that most of my family is undocumented. So I saw most of my family and they all worked and they all paid taxes. Yeah. But then when you turn on TV and when you talk about it, oh, undocumented people pay no taxes and they're trying to get da 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 They paint a perspective, a perspective uh, I mean, they paint a, a picture of us that we are not. Yeah, yep. exactly. And then there's this black box of tax money that all politicians, both political parties can do whatever the heck they want with it. Yep. You know, so, you know, just... Some, me being in media now, um, I created this media company, right? Me being in media, something that I've learned the good way and the hard way is that every time something's being shared with us in a massive push, but let's say we hear it here in Sacramento, but then we travel to New York City and we hear the same sort of propaganda or, an agenda, or agenda from different news sites, something or somebody's pushing that agenda and they're trying to sell the public something. Yeah. So everything we see on the media somebody's trying to sell us something. So it's something really interesting to keep in mind. 
And also, in, for instance, myself, learning that and through my process these years, I'm always open to being wrong because the ideas that we have or the things that we think we know came from somewhere. Yeah. So if we're open to being wrong, a whole new realm of possibilities opens. A whole new world, literally. But if we're stuck in our ways and a way that the world is and we live in this little box, eh, you live and you die by that. Yep. And the world is an oyster. You know, it's a playground. Why not play in it? You know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's that that's huge right there. But that's enough for our rant, unless you want to add more to it. Oh no, I'm just <laughs> No, that's huge. Keep going. I want to keep going with your story because we stopped. Yeah. So you said you were traveling with your madricula. Well, yeah, so so I, so so I started my company uh, with my matricula, just a D, I learned how to go do a DBA on my own with the city. Um, with a DBA, I would go open a bank account and I started doing business, you know, paying taxes, uh, reporting, uh, I would work with artists, get their content uploaded to iTunes back then, make their YouTube channel, make their MySpace page and then Facebook page. And I got a lot of bands pretty famous, you know, yeah. a lot of bands like blew up and, uh, and then after the... Real quick, I'm going to do another rant. Yeah. One quick last rant. I have to say this. So see how, see how easy you did that, though? Like you said, you got your DBA, you did this. That's, and we're going to say, you know, the good things and bad things of, of that go on, goes on in this country. That's one of the beautiful things of this country, that you can get a business that easy. For $35. Yeah. At, and, the, at City Hall. <laughs> no, and that's huge because you can go, you, there's some countries that don't let you do that. So the fact that we have that freedom and the opportunity, I mean, that right there is huge and it just speaks volumes because look, it changed your life. Yeah. And that cost you $35. Yeah, well, DBA costs $35. Yeah. And then you go get a tax ID for that DBA. Yeah, that's, and, that's what I'm saying. It didn't, yeah. it didn't you, you, the option's there. Exactly. Some people don't have that option. Exactly. So that's huge. So now rant's over, continue with the story. <laughs> well, let, let me add to that rant, oh. actually, because it's something, something huge to be said about that, because right now there's all this propaganda how ba- about how bad this country is. Mm. I say to those people, uh, go travel the world. You obviously haven't. Yeah. Go travel the world. You're going to come back to the U.S. The first thing you do when you get to the airport, you're going to get on the ground and kiss the floor. I've been all over the world. I've been to third world countries. I've been all over Europe, all over South America, uh, Asia, Middle East. Beautiful countries, beautiful culture, amazing food, but yet come back to the U.S., specifically in California, you're like, oh, wow, thank God I'm back in the U.S. Thank you, God, for allowing me to live here. It's, it is the greatest country on earth. Let me hear your reason why. So what, what exactly why? Like, give us a, a why. One example. I'm from Jalisco, right? You want to get anything done, like really get done, you have to bribe somebody somewhere along the way. Here in the U.S., you want to get some, and, and you're right, even though there's more freedoms in other aspects, if your rights are, are um, infringed upon, there's little recourse you can do, unless you have a lot of money and you know who to bribe. In the US, whether you're undocumented, whether you were born here, whether you're a tourist, even a dog has rights, and good, for a good reason, you know? Um, and if you build a, a business in the US, you're protected. If you created something with your intellectual knowledge, you own something and you're protected by the law yeah. and it's respected. Uh, across the world, anywhere you go in the world, I wouldn't say it's 100% so. Yeah. So that's just one of the many, many reasons. Yeah. 
That's a one really good reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any country that you did really, really like, though, that you're like, wow, this is, if I had to move somewhere else, I'd probably move here? South Korea. Well, I didn't expect that one. Yeah, South Korea is amazing. It's a, uh, well, it's pretty much, I mean, it's such a beautiful culture, amazing food. It's, it's just an amazing country, South Korea is. Uh, another, I guess, a second country I would move to, maybe for vacation only, like maybe two months out of the year, um, it's a place called Bodrum in Turkey. That place is amazing. Like, I would definitely live there. I would take my kids there. I suggest it to all my family and friends. Travel to Bodrum. Why? Travel and you'll see. <laughs> I can't leave the country. <laughs> well, 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 you, you can just come, come back. Yeah, yeah. I can leave. I just can't come back. Yeah, so. But uh, Bodrum is just such a beautiful place, man. Like, like it's amazing. Um, it just, you know, I just suggest anybody goes there. It's it's. Quite beautiful. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's a it's a area in Turkey. Yeah. So now let's continue with the story. We have two rants yeah. in the mix of the storytelling. So you got some you got some groups famous, right? You said yeah. you were marketing to them. You got them to blow up, uh, and that's all with the business and the marketing skills that you provided for them. I'm assuming that drew more people to you. Yeah. So people were asking, who's doing this? Like this band has no radio play, no TV, and all of a sudden they're selling out everywhere. Who is this? And all of a sudden it was this kid, me, you know, so I started getting all this business from all this uh, unknown artists or up and coming artists. And thankfully, a lot of the things or almost everything I was involved with was a big hit, was a big success. Yeah. So, you know, just things kept evolving, kept creating a business, focused a lot on technology to manage all these assets, all this intellectual property. And um, yeah, you know, so it's now a, a pretty successful business. We're expanding globally. We're growing really heavily in uh, Europe, uh, the whole uh, Pacific Rim. Yeah. And yeah. So Give us some of the successful groups or people that you worked with. Uh, well, back then, uh, there was a movement called, uh, which I'm really, I give a big shout out to my compadre Adolfo Valenzuela and Omar, those twins. Mm -hmm. Back then, uh, they gave me the opportunity to work with them in their project. It was called El Movimiento Alterado. Mm -hmm. It was really blowing up in the streets and I came in. Uh, helped organize all the YouTube assets. Um, at one point, the Movimiento, the Puns Culiacan TV channel, I think it was like top 20 in the world on YouTube at one point, uh, years ago. But from there, you had El Commander, you had a bunch of other artists, and then from that subgenre of music, you had all kinds of other artists come out of it and other movements and other big artists. And but the most recent successes, I mean, it's been many, but uh, we've had some recent successes in the tumbado scene yeah. with bands uh, such as LD&E. Uh, we had a huge summer hit uh, with an artist, a one-hit, I hope it's not a one-hit wonder, but we'll see, a song called No Eres La Oficial by David Santos. We've also had other hits in Europe, and I know, that, I know there are hits in Europe because while I was over there in the summer, every, every club or every venue I would go to, they were playing our music from some of our DJs. And uh, yeah, just, you know. Uh, yeah. How did it feel to know you did that? Freaking awesome, bro. I mean, yeah, it's one, gotta be. One time I was in Playa del Carmen, I'm walking uh, through one of the tourist streets, and out of a restaurant, blasting comes out one of the songs that we had just been marketing in the last five months. I'm like, if I'm hearing it here, that means that it's a hit. So it just feels really good, you know? And all my colleagues in the, in the so I'm, I'm more on the technology side, marketing and rights admin side, but my colleagues that work on the music and, mar and marketing side, we share stories of how amazing it is that you're, well, for example, I went to, um, 
I went to Iquitos in 2017 and I took a good friend of mine. His name is uh, uh, Chencho. Chencho Garcia is a very well-known character in the music industry. Right now he's, he has a band called Mariachi Vargas at Tecalitlan. Yeah. His goal is to take the mariachi worldwide and he did. Right now they're in Spain, sold out tour. They're selling out arenas, selling out everywhere they're going. And, and the Mariachi Vargas at Tecalitlan is like the oldest mariachi in the yeah. world. They're the founders. And they were just there, you know, just doing this like um, fundraising events for charities or whatever. And now they're like a full-fledged, like touring artist. And it's all thanks to Chencho. Chencho was also behind Cristiano Dal. Chencho was also behind like many, many hits. He's a good friend of mine. So he went with me to Peru. We went together to, uh, to a, a spiritual retreat. But while we're being tourists in Iquitos, this is in the lower part of the Amazon jungle. Um, blasting out of a little speaker comes out this song of this artist that Chencho is like, hey, that song I promoted. Wow. And we're here, here in the middle of the jungle. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a huge fulfillment because that's your work, your effort, because it is not easy to promote a song. A song is just like a product. A song is like this water bottle. A song is like a gym. It's one product and you have to promote it and you have to get it to people. And the outcome of people consuming that product is they'll go see the artist or they'll keep consuming more music. Yeah. So that's a product. So it's just a huge fulfillment because you know you're having success when other people enjoy your song and you just walking in a random place and you hear it. And also on my wedding, for example, the DJ I hired, I was uh, talking to one of the band members of a band called De Parranda, which were helping uh, push and they're becoming very, very famous. They're a huge hit on TikTok, huge hit on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and we recently released a song with De Parranda and Grupo Frontera that's just going nuts. Um, but anyway, we're sitting there talking and all of a sudden, the DJ is playing a song the, from one of, my, one of our uh, labels that we work with out of uh, Central America. And I'm like, oh, shit, what is it? And the DJ, mind you, I just hired the DJ. Like, we had never met before. Hired the DJ for, like, you know, the breaks between the bands. And the DJ's here playing one of a song, the, a songs that I had been recently promoting. I'm like, oh, shit, perfect. It's working. Even the DJ at my own wedding without me asking for it. And the guy doesn't know me. Or I don't go out and tell people, oh, I'm doing X, Y, Z. You know, I keep, I try to keep, the more I... The more my business grows, the more anonymous I want to be. Also, because I work with data and there's no privacy anymore. I think one of the biggest currencies coming soon to the world is going to be privacy and being anonymous. People want to share everything with the world right now, their own personal lives. It's going to get to a point where you don't want nobody to even know that you exist. So that's where I'm at. You know, I don't go out telling people what I'm doing. I'm doing some amazing things. Nobody knows. I'm behind the scenes. Uh, really low key. But... It was really cool that this DJ was playing the song and, you know, I had, my team and I were behind it. So. Yeah. It was amazing. And what was, so you've obviously had a lot of success throughout this whole thing. What were the, some of the adversities and things that you faced that were tough and how did you, how did you handle those? I still face them. Uh, rejection. Um, at one point, it was really hard. Uh, one, one specific thing that was hard was the haters because I wasn't used to it because I have a lot of haters of people that don't understand how this works from the music industry. Sadly enough, the majority of my haters that have actually tried to damage me is our own people. Yeah, it's always like it's that. It's always like that. But now I realize, shoot, I need a hundred more of those haters, you know? <laughs> that means that I'm doing like I'm doing something amazing. So, but that doesn't hurt me no more. That doesn't even face me no more. The more haters I have, perfect. Uh, you know, good for them. You know, again, yeah. It says a lot about themselves. Another fan, like for example, when I go to a, a, a music conference or whatever, you know, 
for some reason, everybody knows about my life. And I try not to, you know, like, and these are people I don't even talk to. So anyway, uh, that's, that's, that's cool, I guess. So you, that was, so you brought that up because you said at the beginning it was tough, right? It, it, yeah. Uh, what happened? How did you let them get to you? Uh, yeah, because, you know, you don't know how to deal with that. You yeah. Know, you, you, I feel you, man. I, 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 I'm trying to learn from you right now because I, I get that. I get that a lot. That people make certain comments or say certain things or act a certain way. And I'm pretty good at about letting it go and not letting it get to me. But there's sometimes, depending on what they said, it gets to me. And then when it gets to me, sometimes I want to act out. Or sometimes I, I, I act a certain way. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck, I need to be the bigger person. I need to just, who cares? Like you said, good for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you let things get to you to that point or were you or t- tell me a little bit more about that a younger me did now I laugh and I'm so glad I have another hater mm-hmm. like oh perfect that means I'm actually doing and shaking things you know yeah so I just laugh at them and then and something I learned also is that haters I'm gonna talk about leveling up and you know even though we're all equal we're all human beings we're all brothers and sisters but talking about uh, technically a person that's successful will never talk shit about somebody that's coming up. A person that's striving to be better will never talk negatively about you or me because mm-hmm. they know the struggle. A person that's just sitting there doing nothing for their life, just criticizing, that are hopeless and they know it, they're going to be the ones talking smack about somebody else because that makes them feel good. It makes them feel a little better about themselves and it's an excuse for them to not go out and re- fight for their dreams if they have any. Yeah. So I learned that. And honestly, I just sent prayers to those people and I feel bad for them for a second. And then I'm like, all right, I know I'm doing something good because some way, shape or form, I touched something in their life, in their ego that hurts them. And that's actually what they need to work on. Yeah. So they're not hating on me. They're hating on themselves. Mm -hmm. Something I learned years ago also is that the way I think of somebody is a direct reflection of me. It's not them. It's me. And also the way I act on how other people act towards me or around me, the way I act to situations is not others or things, it's me. It, you know, once you realize that and once we realize that we have full control of our lives, of our immediate lives and how we react to things, those hater, haters or situations become meaningless, no, like no factor in your life. Yeah. So, yeah. I really, really like what you said, man, at the beginning. You said the way they say things about or the way you feel about things is a reflection of you. Yeah. How'd you say it? That was good. Yeah, yeah. So so the, the way, for example. I like that. Like when, when haters hate, mm. they're hating because there's something in them that they don't like, that you're touching. Yeah. So it's a direct reflection of them yep. onto you. At the same time, the way I think of others and the way I see others and my first instinct, like when I first meet somebody, what I think about them right away is what I think about myself. Because how, how is it possible that I have an opinion about you. Let's say it was the first time I met you and right away I have an opinion. I don't know you. It's impossible. So it's me. I'm looking at you and I'm thinking of myself. Yeah. See? So we're all a reflection of each other. The people we hang out with, our spouse, the people we choose to, not our family, our family is God-given, but the people we choose to call our family that we bring into our lives, it's a direct reflection of us. So choose accordingly. That's who represents us. That's deep. Yeah. That's deep. I like that, man. That's yeah. really good. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really lucky to have a great circle of people around me. Man. Yeah. Like, and you say circle. you're very spiritual, right? Uh, I mean, I'm very talk, human. Yeah. Talk, talk, talk to me about that. You were talking about you got, you, you, into your, 
psychedelics and all this. Yeah, yeah. So, tell, tell, tell us first how you got introduced to this. How, how was this even a thing to you? Um, so I've been, I feel like I've been a very spiritual person my whole life. You know, I grew up very Catholic. Being a kid, I remember I also wanted to be an airplane pilot and a priest. Or mm. a priest. Or an airplane pilot. So, Are you I'm, still Catholic? I'm, of course I'm Catholic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course he I'm. got offended. I was good. He yeah. said, of course I'm. <laughs> I was just asking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, so you're, that's what you wanted to be, and then keep going. Yeah, so I grew up Catholic. You know, I'm still Catholic, probably so. Uh, however, I now see my religion in a completely different light. You know, I, and I'll get to that in, in a second. But then one day, um, I had this friend um, who, you know, I was going through life and the motions and trying to be successful. This friend of mine is like, she's like, hey, you know what? There's this medicine like medicine, what in the world is this medicine? Yeah, you know, I suggest you take it. it it'll, it's like really good. I, I did it and I feel great. Okay, cool. So I, you know, found a place in the Bay Area. Uh, well, she set, told me where to go, this friend of mine. Um, and I went there, I think I must've been maybe 20 or 21 years of age. And I took this drink, um, it's called ayahuasca. And Boy, blasted my life. Like, I was just like, whoa. You know, I was blown away by it. You know the movie Avatar? Yeah. That's pretty much what I saw. But the teachings and the learning, the learning that I got from it, it was like a whole recap of my life, all my traumas, all my learning experiences. And from there, a whole new me started. That's, I think, when I really started doing way better in business. I understood things in a completely different level. And again, like all of us humans, we're like an onion. We have layers and layers and layers and layers of things we got to heal and clean because we have thousands of years of memory being passed through our DNA, yeah. you know? So it, you know. That's so tight. So these medicines help us do that. Like, because we got to go into our unconscious mind to work, to bring it out and make it conscious and realize our mistakes, our virtues, our attitudes, and really work on them in our everyday life, in our everyday level so these plants are called medicines for a reason because they really do cure you they really do help you and at one point what kind of plants are these what are these uh, other like native american plants i mean people use marijuana as a, as a medicine mm -hmm. uh a lot more people use it as an addiction i'm yeah. sorry to say it but it, it is um they're so abusing it they're definitely abusing it but it is a medicine mm -hmm. and just like all medicines all things could be Get abused, abused. However, this particular one's like uh, ayahuasca, DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, uh, and... Uh, Explain that a little bit more for the people that do not know what that is. Um, well, DMT is dimethyltryptamine. 5-MeO-DMT um, and bufotamine, that exists in all living things. All plants, all animals, it's everywhere. It, it's, it's everywhere. And these medicines, I mean, everything that's on planet Earth is here either to heal us, to feed us, and protect us. Everything that's on this planet. And we're made out of planet, we're made out of the stars. You know, we're made out of carbon, out of um, hydrogen, oxygen, and also of all these components, all these compounds. We also have DMT in us, everything. So now, you got a little more DMT, DMT in you, uh, different parts of your brain activate, and you go into this disassociative uh, state from your body, and you go into this realm that's just amazing. And the learning and the growth that comes from it is tremendous if you apply it. It's and this particular medicines, I don't see how anybody could do it for fun because they really kick your ass if you try to do it. It, it, it first first targets the ego. 
because our ego is what holds us back from a lot of things. Now, if we have a good relationship with our ego and work with it, it could be our ally, like a bulldog right next to you. If mm-hmm. you control it. If you don't, it'll kick your ass, you know. Um, so that's sort of what these medicines work with. They work with your heart, your soul, your mind, your body, your astral, your superior you in a different astral plane. And you understand like God and the Christ within us. I feel like you understand it a lot more. If somebody's an atheist, they'll definitely come out believing in God. You know, like, <laughs> like, like seriously, like it's no joke. So these are very beautiful medicines, you know. I've traveled to Peru many times to do them in uh, retreat centers with the Shipibo tribe, which create ayahuasca. I've also had the fortune of doing a lot of work with the Huichol people, which is where you and I are from. Mm-hmm. That's our, our medicine, Huichol uh, tribes, and they work with a medicine uh, that contains mescaline. It's called peyote. And, uh, That's also, a very happy one. Well, they're all, they're all very happy, but peyote is like, it's, like an, it's, ama- it's an amazing medicine. You're really grounded, you're awake, and you're talking with God on yourself. And it's just one, it's, it's wonderful, but it's something to be taken with a lot of respect in a ceremony setting with a lot of uh, tradition. The, the tradition that has been around for thousands of years on how to take these plant medicines mm-hmm. serves a purpose to also take care of the person taking it. Yeah. So it's very, I guess you could say very professional the way it's done, but it's also more so very, um, very traditional. And it's been done for thousands of years. Huichol, you said, right? Huichol. H-U- Like the sauce? Uh, No, no. Huichol, so H-U-I-C-H. Yeah. H-H. Huichol, yeah. Okay, okay. You know, like Huichol Musical? Yeah. Yeah, so. There's a um, a friend of mine. I have a couple. Actually, I'm, I'm around a lot of very spiritual people. Oh, good. And one of my friends uh, wanted me. I'm trying to think of the girl's name. I was going to look her up. Um, that's very big with. She passed away, but she was very big spiritually. Uh, Maria Sabina. Yes. Oh yeah, Maria Sabina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's from Oaxaca. And yes. She worked with Nino Santos. Nino Santos are the holy children. That's the magic mushrooms. Yep. I'll give you a quick story. So um, I was in a retreat in Mexico in Yucatan about a year, exactly uh, a year ago last year in May, and I worked with a, this a relative of hers, like a like a like a like a niece of hers. Hey, that's the girl I'm thinking about. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. So and I took 7.5 grams of mushrooms, which is an obscene amount, and wow, it's I think one of the most beautiful experiences in my life. Well, they're all very beautiful these experiences, but. 7.5 grams of mushroom, 7.5 grams, it's, I mean, 3.5 or 5 grams, it's a, it's a heroic dose by, uh, by Mr. McKenna. He says it is, but 7.5, I mean, I was talking to fairies, it was, it was pretty amazing. But the most important part is I really connected with my childhood and my dad. And I think I worshipped my dad a lot and I was really grateful for him for the hard work he did to, to bring my sisters and I up to be good people and good women, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really connected with that. So that was the effect of that particular experience with that medicine. It just really connected me with my dad and he helped me heal a lot of things I had between him, him and I. And it was really beautiful, you know, so, yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the girl I'm talking about, I mean, a friend of mine told me about her. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's her. They, they come out to sack and different things and host. Uh, oh, okay. Um, retreats and things like that. Yeah, you should do one, man. You should do one. They wanted to do one here. They wanted me. Yeah, yeah, do it. One of my other friends, 
um, that's spiritual. He's like, I don't think you should do it. He's like, that thing's crazy. Like, that's very intense for your first time to do something like that. He's like, he's a, the way he described it, he's like, going to something that intense right away is like losing your virginity at an orgy. <laughs> he's like, that's, that's too intense right away. And I'm like, so he got me kind of second guessing and kind of thinking about, but I know I, I definitely want to connect more in the spiritual side. I, I, I'm very spiritual right now as it is. I'm super, I, I'm connected. Yes, mm-hmm. very connected. But I knew I could be more, and I know I could do more. And I, mm-hmm. and I and I don't think I'm educated enough yet. And I need to get more familiar with it. I need to learn more about it. But okay. but it's definitely something I want to do. You know the brand Nike? Yeah. Just do it. Well, just do it. <laughs> just, uh, I thought you were gonna tell me something about it. I'm like, yeah. What about it? What about it? Yeah, man. Just do it. Um, um, there was no such thing as, like what your friend mentioned. Maybe that's been his experience. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different experience. It's never the same. Yeah. Um, if the intention is to heal something and grow, do it. If it's in a, from people that are doing this in a very respectful manner, in a very structured and traditional way, do it. It'll save you 100 years of therapy or even more. You know, um, Everybody has a different experience. My experience has been incredible. Um, one time, um, I mean, but every experience has been different. It's never been the same. That's the thing with this medicines. It gives you what you need at the moment and what you're ready for. Nothing else, nothing more. If this particular person told you this, probably kick their ass. Or yeah. it's probably kick their ass and they're like, oh. Don't do it. Don't do it. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. Yeah. Maybe, everyone different. Yeah, everyone's different. And for some people, they needed an ass kicking. They needed an ass whooping because they needed to wake up to their, uh, you know, to their faults and things that they're, you know, doing like whatever, you know, like doing bad with in life. Um, but these medicines just bring us back to our true selves, to like you or me when we were like two, three years old, innocent, pure, where we were happy with just a water bottle in our, in our, in the back of our bikes at the age of seven. And we didn't need a phone. We didn't need the latest car. We didn't need the, la- the biggest house. It brings us back to being truly fulfilled and happy. Mm-hmm. And then when you're, and, and with self love, like pure love that flows from within outwards. When we need love from the outside, we're lacking. We need something from outside and we're always going to be in need of something. Yeah. But when we learn to bring it from within out, it's unlimited. And everywhere we go, we're just emanating light. And these medicines, if you're already not like that, these plant medicines help you to get to that point. You know? And it's a really beautiful path. And there's another thing. It helps you to make the unconscious conscious. Meaning, things that are in your subconscious mind that you rarely think about, but that's the reason why we act how we act, how we respond to situations, addictions. Um, Again, I'm not a doctor, but addictions, uh, uh, illnesses, chronic diseases. A A lot of times from the research I've done and from what just general knowledge, I guess, those things come from things we have in our mind. Things like traumas, like the way, like because our our body is a chemical creation machine. Yeah, you know we're creating all kinds of hormones all the time, all kinds of toxins, and when we're angry, when we're sad, when we feel envious, we're creating these toxins and these hormones that are actually damaging our bodies, and then we have cancers and we have all these things. Now, if we're happy, our body's creating endorphins, and our body's like healing and cleansing itself, and we're moving in a positive, uplifting light. Yeah. So many times society and the people we're surrounded with, it just, it's the world we, cre- so the people we're surrounded with, the way we have our house, the way we have things around us, that's the world we created with our unconscious mind. So it's physical. Yeah. 
So now once you go and take these plant medicines, you see what you created and they help you to make real change. But real change costs. It costs comfort. It costs friends. It costs getting away from the wrong fat relationships. But in order to really change our lives around, which these medicines help you, you it's like they, they really help you to see like your own thoughts and end with them and move on. But it's really hard. So yeah. that's yeah. a real hard work. Hell yeah. yeah. Wow. So if I would, didn't want to do it before, now I think you made me want to do more. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's super cool, man. Thank you for short, uh, sharing that experience with you uh, with us and sharing, you know, how the proper way to do it. Because like you said, everything can be abused. Yep. And, and, and that's something that I, I, I honestly, I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. There's That's something that with me, I never really tend to want to do it or get into it because it could look or sound really bad to people that do not know about it. Oh, Jose does shrooms. You know what I'm saying? Or Jose is doing this. And then Jose as a coach and as a leader uh, to my teens and my boxers in the gym, in the gym or kids, and when my coach, my coach does shrooms, let me do some shrooms. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That That's the way I looked at it for people that do not know about it. That's what made me even more hesitant about it because this is not a drug that 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 people like you said is it's it's a medicine you're 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 healing from this you're not using it to party or to fucking just turn up and yeah. whatever you want to do it's in a respectful and a curing way like like a person with addictions like alcohol or like other drugs mm -hmm. this will help them heal themselves yeah. literally like it's even scientifically proven it literally re rewires the synapses in your brain like literally yeah, it's no joke. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, my, like I said, I have a couple friends that are spiritual, and he tells me the same thing. He's like, "Man, this is why. This is why it's looked down upon, and all this is because this will heal so many people. Yeah, it, and it, 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 it will eliminate people from a lot of demons they have in their head. It looks, it, it, yeah, that and uh, just lack of knowledge around this subject. Mm -hmm. You know, because for thousands of years, uh, our forefathers, like Native Americans, did these things." For thousands of years, um, and now all of a sudden they're reemerging again in a very traditional and very respectful manner. You know, mm -hmm. so I mean, I started doing these things like I'm, I'll be 33 tomorrow, so for 12 years now. Oh really? Know? Yeah, and it's really helped me. How know? often do you do it? Um, it's like a shower, you know, where you feel really dirty and you need to go get a cleansing. So I don't know, maybe like once or twice a year, like a really deep ceremony. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it just really depends. Um, and maybe a little more, uh, but then there's other practices, spiritual practices that I partake in uh, daily. Yeah. And uh, gratitude affirmations, you know, because it's not just a one-off thing. The the medicine is one tool. The real medicine is us. The real shaman is you. The real priest is you. The real holiness there is ourselves, our body, our soul, and it's like an everyday work. Yeah, you know, it's a hundred percent. Well, that was great, man. Great talking about that. Let's let's continue with you, man. So now, future you. What are your goals? What are you doing now? What's what's are you? Are you? So you got this marketing down. You're still doing that. And is that all you're investing your time in? Or are you doing other things? Tell um, us about that. No. So same company. The company is growing very rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, and. Uh, my, I kind of uh, stepped off a day-to-day -day operation thing and moved more into a uh, business, global business development, um, head of Latin, because I love Latin music, uh, business development. I'm also advisor to operations. 
and also head of marketing. So our goal right now is to expand globally really uh, very rapidly. Um, we're re really lucky because we're a profitable, profitable business. And I think we're in a good position right now to in this, because right now we're in this fourth turning, like we're, in, we're already staring at the abyss of what's about to happen worldwide with the economy. But I feel like we're in a really good spot because we are a profitable company. Um, we're a technology company, it's technology-based. And I've, I just want to work really hard with our team to position ourselves in this ne next upswing in the next uh, three to five years, eight years, and be there. Uh, we'll possibly take the company public, maybe merge with another company, uh, maybe work with a capital uh, a firm to expand the company. And um, my goal is to create something that uh, withstands the test of time. And uh, when I'm 90 to 100 years old, in my last breaths, that company's still operating. Yeah. So I think because that's a direct reflection of me and that's my hard work, my effort put into one thing in this planet, in this dimension, and made it physical. I think that'll be a really cool thing to see, you know? Yeah. Um, it wouldn't, it would be part of me, but it wouldn't define me, but it would be a cool to create a legacy company. Um, also, and it's like a child of mine. Same thing with my children. You know, I currently have uh, six kids, one on the way. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm really happy about that. And I see my kids in a similar light. Like, my kids are my legacy. So they deserve and I require a lot of my energy and focus and intention to help them be the best people and the best uh, citizens to the world that they can be, you know, so. I love that right there. I love that. That right there is going to be on Instagram, brother. I love <laughs> what you said. You said, my kids are my legacy and they deserve a lot of my energy and effort yeah. to making sure they're good citizens. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of the video you posted on Instagram recently with the guy talking in Spanish. Oh yeah, my, my, my wife sent it to me. I'm like, oh, I, I love this. I actually <laughs> even reposted it and I put it on Instagram and I put, get a translator and yeah. you don't know what it says. Because it's great, man. The guy specifically went into detail of how do you create... Uh, a criminals. Criminals, yeah. How do you create menaces society? Yeah. And how do you create them? I'll let you answer it. Check this out. This is what the video said in Spanish. Yeah, so for example, um, give a kid everything they want. Uh, make them work. Uh, give them something without them working for it. Uh, whenever they complain about something, don't tell them anything. Uh, if they do something wrong, don't hold any consequences for them. You know, things along those lines. Uh, pretty much what we're living in society today, you know, um, with parents thinking there's a way they should raise their children and how the government and media tells us we should raise our children, we're actually really messing them up by letting them have all these things that we're allowing them to have. Mm -hmm. uh, one huge thing I personally think, not from the post, but I think uh, even though I, I benefit a lot from TikTok, but I read, again, I mean technology. What's really messing up society right now and, and teenagers are is social media. For and, sure. And things like TikTok and all this propaganda. Again, mind you, I work in making hit songs. How do I do that? By marketing, by propaganda, by making sure that this song pops up everywhere people turn around in their phones. That's my job. Same thing some government, some institution, somebody out there somewhere is also pushing agendas the same exact way that I promote music. Yeah. The same exact way, way you could promote this water bottle. The same exact way you can promote your gym in the 50 mile radius. It's the same way agendas and propaganda gets pushed onto us. So right now, the family cores are being destroyed. If you destroy a, f a family, you destroy a neighborhood, 
You destroy a municipality, you destroy a county, you destroy a state, you destroy a country. If you go directly and destroy the family, and that all gets destroyed by destroying the children, mm-hmm. their mentality, and making them bad citizens of society. So, you know, being conscious of that, you know, I, you know, I, I do my best to keep my kids limited to social media and things. So. Okay. Yeah. That's huge. That's another, another uh, social media classic video right there. Because we're going to push that. People need to hear that. Yeah. And, and 100% with you, man. We, I think something that happens with parents, because I see, uh, I mean, I'm a coach, so I see parents all day, is I think they want to, I'll give everything that I didn't have to my kid. You know mistake. what I'm saying? Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Yeah. Because you can do that in a, in a correct way, making them earn everything, yeah. teach them hard work, teach them discipline, not just here, that's what you want. Yep. You know, so I, I 100% agree with you, 100% agree with the statement you made, and 100% agree with that video, because it's, it's huge. You know what? And on that, we're all a product of our environment. Mm-hmm. You know, however our parents are, that's how we're going to be. Yep. And then me going back to my upbringing here in the U.S. and Mexico, for a while there in my early 20s, I was really like, oh, my parents are really bad. You know, they didn't give me the best. They didn't even care about my school. They didn't even... My parents did the best they could do with the information they had and the resources they had. And I'm looking back farther and what, what this plant medicines have helped me, excuse me realize and heal is that that was the best education I got because I learned how to be independent, self-fulfilling, I learned how to work honestly, uh, with integrity, um, and consistently, thanks mm-hmm. to my parents' work ethic. And because they didn't give me everything I wanted, I learned to want to desire things. Kids, a lot of kids today, the parents give them everything. They have no desire. They're at home all day after school. They're just, I mean, they're, at, at this point, like for example, me growing up with social media, I was interacting with people and doing business moves and making it work to my benefit. A lot of, the majority of kids right now are just in there in social media, not really doing much, interacting with other friends, but doing things that are not productive to their lives, mm-hmm. you know? But then also they're living this false fantasy, this fallacy, this fugazi-ness that the world is and the, how the world should be. And, you know, I think it's time that we, and, and, and I think it's happening by default, because uh, the world and, and things move in pendulums, they move in, in ways, you know? And, um, I think that we're returning to a pendulum where reality is going to have to be set in and it's going to hit us upside the head. And we're also going to realize that in this great country of ours, there's, mil- there's billions of young adults that wish they were here for the opportunities that we have. But one of these young adults will eat the lunch of 20 American kids because they're hungry. So one of those things that I feel it, there's propaganda coming from somewhere, it's making us soft. It's making the weak. weak. Well, we need to be hard and hungry, you know. It's coming from China. It's coming from China. And <laughs> China. You know, because, for example, you go, you go to China, you don't have this propaganda. Yeah. None of it. Zero. I, my best friend is Chinese. This guy is a relentless work ethic, super awesome dude. I work, I'm really fortunate to be surrounded by uh, people from South Korea, people from Singapore, people from that part of the world, from Asia. And man, they're smart, they're clever, they're witty, and they're quick. And they're eating the lunch of the average American. Also, for my friends in Eastern Europe, uh, we have the fortune of having some great people that work with us in Eastern Europe, in the Pacific Rim, and in Asia as well. But all these young people, they wish they lived in America. They're hungry, man. 
one thing that is lacking right now in our society is that hunger to thrive, that the hunger to survive. But we've had it way too easy. We choose to invest our time and energy in things that we think are social justice when forgetting about our own personal <clears throat> justice and future. Mm-hmm. So we're literally being, we are being, being brainwashed yeah. by the right and the left, both sides. And this is not a political statement, it's just my point of view. Um, you know, I'm fiscally conservative, but I'm pretty liberal on social issues because of my upbringing. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, the, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. I don't want to go to hell. You know, I'd rather make my own path than, run, than go in a path with good intentions. But there's a lot of intentions happening right now towards society and the youth. And we're relying too much on politics versus our own free will and accord. And quite frankly, I think it's messing up society in a way. But again, uh, that'll, just like the forests, just like uh, the snow, I think the natural law of the land is that things renew and restart and regenerate, yeah. so. Give us yeah. some um, tips on, on, on parenting. Like you said, you got six kids. I mean, gonna be six kids, right? Because you have one on the way. Yeah, I have one so on the way. So what, what's something? Seven. Oh, it's gonna be seven. Yeah. So you have six with one on the way. Yeah, so yeah. seven kids. Some kids yeah, yeah. What is some of the tips that you can share with parents, fathers, that you do to be able to provide that energy, that connection, and that discipline with your kids? Give me, give me something, because you said we, we gotta invest in our kids. What's something you do? First of all, I start with myself and my spouse. Um, we both have to be on the same exact page. She cannot be in a different opinion or page and me in a different, because kids will see through that and they'll just play the both of us. Mm. And then they'll end up winning their way at that moment. And it's not about winning or losing or a battle. It's just that um, sometimes, you know, kids, again, we're all a chemical creation machine and kids go by emotion. They listen to their emotions or feelings. So if something feels good, they want to do it. Something doesn't feel good, they don't want to do it. And as parents, we fail by giving them the easy way out and not making them do the hard thing, like cleaning your room doing your homework, cutting the grass, and just, oh, it's okay, I'll just hire somebody to do it. We begin to create, like, una bola de huevones, you know? Yeah. <laughs> lazy motherfuckers. Yeah, lazy motherfuckers. Yeah. And so, that's what he said, pretty much. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. <laughs> but the best thing, number one, is me reflecting my, like, seeing how I feel about a, my kids' actions and seeing that what, and taking away what the good things of my upbringing and not repeating the same things that I don't think work for me for my parents. So recreating me as a parent and not doing the same things my parents did. Yeah. Number one. Number two is being in the same page with my spouse. Number three, everything I do, do it with love, compassion, and patience. Number uh, three, really listening to the child, but sitting there and explaining to them. Explaining to your face goes red because you're probably going to have to explain the same thing a hundred times in one week. But sitting there and explaining to them why X, Y, Z, why you are grounded, why you can't have this, why you can't do that. But also at the same time making the effort of doing the opposite. Like you could do X, Y, Z if you do this. You have to work for it, you know. And um, yeah, that's just, you know, some of the... That sounds like a lot of work with seven kids, man. How are you going to do that? Um, <laughs> that's when you have to be on the same page with your spouse. Yeah, because you you're not there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and if you tell your kids something, especially teenage kids, they're going to go tell mom something else and flip the story, and mom's yep. going to say yes, 
And then, oh, mom let me. What's then, the what's the age of your kids? Like, what's so the oldest? 4, 11, 4, 11, 13, 14, 15, 19. You got a 19-year-old? A stepson. Step oh, I'm like, yeah. damn. Congrats, he's my, baby. He's my big boy. Hell yeah, that's cool, oh, Shout out to the big boy. Yeah. <laughs> so th- those are great tips, man. Amazing yeah. tips. It, it, it's definitely something that is difficult to do. Um, I'm going to share a quick story. I... My son that's boxing right now, and he, 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 yesterday he had a horrible day in the gym. And what I mean by horrible is the lack of energy, a lack of energy, just no effort. And, and I was really hard on him, and I was so hard on him that he cried. And he's a coach's son. <laughs> yeah. So then at, at the gym, I was hard on him, and he cried in the gym. And then on the way home, I was his dad now. So in the gym, I was his coach, and I was hard on him, and then in the car, on the way home, I became, I, I, I flipped the switch. I'm dad now, and I'm, now I have this emotional connection with him, and I began to explain to him why I was hard on him. And I didn't want him to, I wanted him to make sure he understood that I'm being hard on him because I love him and care for him because I want him to do good versus I'm just being hard on him because I want to be a dick. Because to him, they don't know, he doesn't know the difference yet. Yep. You know, he's eight years old. So I explained, I ex- took the time to explain that to him because of that, because I want him to know why this is important. And that's exactly what you're talking about is taking the time to explain X, Y, and Z yep. and why we're doing this and that versus just doing something and them not knowing why. Now they just looks like you just want to be a dick and oh, I hate that. My dad is just, he's mean. He's not nice. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and it's hard and exactly that's exactly true. But it's also hard having multiple kids because they're all different personalities. Very different. They're completely different. For example, what works with one doesn't work that with the doesn't other. Doesn't work with the other. Yep. And it's like you know, but but thank thank God and you know my DNA. I have I have a certain degree of cognitive intelligence, cognitive intelligence that I can from one second to the next switch real quick into a different way of treating this other child and then the other one because they're all so different. I cannot be the same. I'm with the other or else it'll, it won't work. Yeah. That's yeah. something that I'm, I'm having a hard time doing with right now. Because with my oldest, I feel like I was the best dad. I'm like, God damn, I got this down. But then when my youngest came, my youngest is very different than my oldest. Like they're two different boys, completely different boys. And certain things that I do with my youngest, just my youngest takes it very differently. So mm-hmm. I notice I have to make different adjustments or do things differently because he's not taking in what I'm giving him the same way my oldest did. And this re- this reminds me of coaching. Like, coaching is like that. I can coach you a certain way, and, and it works for you, and then do the exact same thing with somebody else, and it doesn't work. This one makes a good coach great. When you can see what's going to be best for each person, and then figure out what kind of program or what kind of teachings or coaching you're going to provide for them to make him blossom and make them do good in whatever it is they're doing. That's what your job is as a parent, pretty much, is you're trying to put your kid in a good way so they yeah. can do good, right? So exactly. That's, exactly. And you know, r- real quick, because you mentioned something as a coach, I want to congratulate you. Yeah. Because by Thank doing this podcast, you're extending your coaching that you do here. Mm-hmm. You're extending a piece of your life to all these people that come here. So congrats, man. Oh, thank you, brother. In that further, that continuing education, because one thing is physical, but the most important thing is the mind. Mm-hmm. And if you can get the mind and the spirit down, everything else is just much easier. So congrats, man. 
Thank you, man. Yeah, that yeah. means a lot, especially yeah. coming from someone like you. Appreciate no. you, Carnal, and someone Thanks. that has yeah. known me from the beginning. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So well, you. Thanks to know one, you know. Yeah. Thanks to know. Appreciate yeah. you. So let's let's get to a little fun questions now. Unless right. uh, I'm, I'm gonna start asking you some random fun questions. Go for it. Um, the first one is uh, tell me something about David. Not many people know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I love, lately I've become a really big fan of hunting. Mm. Yeah. Like hunting deer, hunting like wild game for spiritual purposes and also to feed my family. It's something that I really want to get into, like bow hunting. So it's something really interesting. Yeah. I did not expect to hear you say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recently, not recently, but I like going outdoors and shooting and stuff like that, but I have not gone hunting. Yeah, I really. I, I haven't done that yet. Yeah, I, it's very spiritual, very healing, and also knowing that you went and respectfully hunted down that deer, or you know, and or that wild game, and you did all that work. It's a lot of hard work, and got there, and they presented themselves to you for you to take them and take that shot and take them home with you, and then feed your family with it. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing feeling, and you know where this food came from, and it's very healthy. Yeah, that sounds. That, I, I was talking about that. I was in Tahoe this weekend, and and you know everything's locked up and for bears and all this. And then I was telling my 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 friend that I was with, I'm like, man, they're looking for food every day. They can't go to a drive-through and just get food, or yeah. they can't go to a restaurant every day. They're on the hunt to feed their family and yep. feed themselves. So yeah. that that's kind of what you're kind of touching in is like that's you going out there and grabbing your stuff, making things happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's the natural, the natural way of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super dope. I mean, we did it for thousands and thousands of years, with exception of the past like hundred years when you have industrialization and then this technological revolution. You know, I, I think getting touch, getting back in touch with our roots as humanity, will make us understand ourselves better and evolve faster for the future. Yeah, because we, we lose touch with that. Is like we have no foundations. So yeah, really it's like forgetting about who you are. Yeah, and where you come from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to always remember where you come from. That's exactly. huge. So that's one thing, I guess. What do you, you're bringing nothing but great stuff, man. Uh, what is something you like to do on your free time? That was my question, but you just answered it with 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 hunting. So let's do. What is your favorite restaurant if you're gonna go out to eat and spend a good time oh. with family? Where do you like to go? Wow, that's a really hard question because I've been to some amazing restaurants. All right, give me give me. Since you've been to a few, give me a couple. Well, I've been to some amazing restaurants, but quite frankly, at the end of the day. It's been home cooked meals, mm -hmm. and I've been to the thank God I've been to the best restaurants in the world, like yeah. like all over Europe, you know, Michelin star restaurants. But I guess in the last year and a half, two years, is a great home cooked meal with the people I love around me is the best food I have. But as far as restaurants, um, I don't know. I mean, had many great experiences in many. I couldn't pinpoint one of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on, but then. Yeah. Give me one. Ooh, just um, give me one. One that you like to go for an experience. Food's good. Give me one restaurant. One awesome. I don't experience. care where it is. It could, right. be, it could be locally. It could be okay anywhere. It was uh, this one time in the Mediterranean. I can't remember the name of this restaurant, but the food was epic. The music was amazing, and then we broke plates at the end. It was it was yeah. So it was Greek tradition. So we broke all the plates at the end, and the food was amazing. So no, no one's got to wash dishes. Um, somebody's got to clean up the dishes. <laughs> so, That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. So this was in a place called Dimaris. 
mm-hmm. Demaris in Turkey. Um, yeah, that was epic. Oh, and uh, Principito in Mykonos. That was epic. I was being fed my food while I was dancing. That was pretty cool. So you were dancing? I was dancing like crazy to like electronic music and just drinking water. It was a really hot day in Mykonos. And we had like all of our food and, you know, they, they feed you. So it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's different too. Yeah. So yeah. I need to hang out with you more. Yeah. Damn, you're doing all the cool stuff. <laughs> all right. Is there anything you want to add? Anything you want to say to the, uh, the people listening? Anything you want to add to this? There's your time. Yeah. Fight for your freedoms. Fight for your life. Fight for your love. Fight for your voice. Uh, don't be the person that tells somebody not to say a certain thing. And also don't allow anybody to tell you what to say or how to say it. We live in the greatest country on earth. We're in a slippery slope right now where there could have been something I said in this podcast that could be used, used against me for whatever reason. That's really scary because just as it can be used against me or you, it can be used against the person criticizing it. So fight for your freedoms, fight for your life, fight for your family. Don't be a lazy ass. Work really hard. Find something to be motivated about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, honor your mom and dad. Honor your family, honor yourself, edify. Once you edify and honor those people that gave you life, you're edifying your existence. No. So that's something that I've learned to do in the last several years. Um, admittedly, I, I lost touch with a lot of things because of this path that we're on and self-discovery. So just dig deep in, and uh, love yourself, most yeah. of all, so you nice. can truly love others. That's the only way. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Now, if people want to stay connected with you or anything, how can they keep in touch with you? Well, I'm trying to be kind of anonymous, but <laughs> I guess they could send me a, a message on Instagram if there's a specific question. It's uh, at the DHZ, like the frequency. So T H E D H Z. Look me up on LinkedIn. Again, I'm pretty blah there. I just have it for work. I'm probably the most honest person in LinkedIn, by the way, if you go and look at it. Um, I don't have any college education or anything, no inflated ego, just, you know, so nothing interesting there. But um, uh, yeah, that's how you can get in touch with me. Cool, man. And maybe in a few years, you won't be able to find me anywhere. I'll be completely anonymous. Just my companies and everything will be out there. But me, I'll be non-existent. Can I, can I, can I find you? The public won't. Nah, I'm just messing with you. I, was yeah. just, I just had to say, I had a busted joke. I had to yeah. make it fun. Because you, you try to end it on a sad note. Oh, that's a great nah, note. Nah, it's, a, it's a great note. You know, uh, so, our freedom, our freedom, our privacy is the, some of the greatest thing, things we have. And I think uh, as a society, we, we're kind of ending this cycle of like being a teenager, of experiencing mm-hmm. this new thing. That we now are going to be like, okay, now I, I don't want that. My privacy is very valuable. Yeah, My sure. freedom of speech is very valuable. My thoughts, my ideas are very, very valuable to me and the way I shape my life. Yeah. And I think we're about to enter this whole thing where we're going to question everything. Oh, that's another thing I really want to say. Question it all and be open to being wrong. But question everything. Like agendas that are being pushed to us from the right, the left, uh, in the middle. Question everything. Because I'll give one, one anecdote. And I don't know if we have much time left, but I'll give one course. anecdote. Uh, one day I was in New York, I, I, I go to New York City a lot, you know, one day I was in New York City, I was in my room, I turned the TV, there was the news going on. I got to uh, JFK, I'm sitting at the lounge, TV's on, similar news were going on. And then after going to New York City a lot, and then flying back to Northern California or to San Francisco or whatever, 
I realized that the news that we're sharing in New York, we're actually local news. But we're being, um, that we're being broadcasted at the national level. And it hit me, I'm like, wait, we're being fed New York news in California that don't apply to us, but people think they do. Mm-hmm. So we're being fed big city news throughout the US and throughout the world when those are most of the time only big city issues. So let's be very careful on what media we consume because, you know, whatever we put in our subconscious mind, that's how we live our lives. So I realized that years ago and I'm like, okay, I need to quit the news. I don't watch news. I read articles that I want to read and I even question those. I read research from universities. I even question where the research money fund came from. We need to be very, very careful nowadays with the media that we receive. And we need to focus on our personal lives, our personal finances, our personal spiritual, physical well-being in our homes. Forget the world. Forget what's happening out there. The real change begins at home and when nobody's watching us. The real change I can make in the world is when nobody's watching me, when nobody's listening to me, when I, with what I tell myself and with what I do when nobody's watching. Yep. Because sooner or later, it will all come back to bite us at any time. But that's where real change happens, behind our, our doors, in our home, with our kids. Because then that change goes to the schools. Then we also do that change at work. We begin to show that change with uh, actions and with results. And then we can, we're contagious to other people. Stupidity is contagious. Happiness is contagious as well. We, we, can, we, we have the right to choose, are we going to uh, spread stupidity and being an idiot or an asshole? Or we can choose to spread humility, happiness, love. We can choose. We have, we have the right to choose. Nobody's coming to our, I mean, people are allowing the government to do it, to tell them how to live their lives, but nobody's really coming to us and telling us how we should live. We choose. Nobody else. But we also choose by voting with how we spend our money and the media we consume and the friends we surround ourselves with. I mean, yeah. I like it. I like it. Great stuff. Great stuff. Great way to end it right there. But before we do that, a couple more things. First thing is, if you can name this episode anything, what would you want to name this episode? Um... Uh, don't spread stupidity. Don't spread stupidity with David Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. that's good. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, man, for uh, taking time of your day. I know you drove here a couple hours to get here. It's a pleasure, and, bro. And, and to be here, man, it means a lot. It means so much to see you again, connect with you. You're definitely somebody that I'm blessed to call a friend. So absolutely, thank you, Likewise. thank you so much for coming. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next Monday for another episode. And we are out. Deuces. Hasta luego. Hasta luego.